Welcome back to the second part of our sixth episode with Tamsin Nugent, an art consultant and the founder of Red Tea Group and Red Tea Multiples. You mentioned hotels. Um, what do you make of art in hotels? Obviously, I have a professional interest in hotels, uh, also personal interest, I guess, a passionate, but um, there's always artwork out there. What do you think how hotels... Um, I mean, the classic is a hotel room you walk in and there's this sort of $2 piece on the wall, right? Uh, this was in, in for many years. That's how it worked. Yes. And it's just a space filler, basically. Yeah. I think we've come a long way. But uh, where do you think we are right now in the way that art and hotels interact? I feel like there are two camps. One is uh, uh, hotels, possibly from the owner or the designer, really focus on art because it is it's a great leverage piece. People notice the difference when the art stands out and art that stands out is is that way because it's been very well selected it's also by great artists it's good art mm. what we do is we put good art on the platform so that everything you get from us can't help but stand out because the technique in there the the execution of the work is already inherent in the work uh, the other side of the coin is that it's a last minute you know kind of detail and so that's when the big procurement companies get involved and mm. basically you have designers or in, or um, consultants picking things from the internet saying I want something like this you know I needed a bit changed and you've got a procurement com company doing it not fine artists I mean a lot of the people involved in procurement companies are craftspeople in their own in their own right for sure but the the art hasn't come from within an artist's vision mm. it doesn't have that depth And so I'm very much focused on the people who care care about art for their properties, but that traditionally probably haven't spent that or budgeted that much to put into it. So mm. we we get clever with budgets to provide top quality, great uh, visuals, great aesthetics, and also a little bit of innovation. So for example, I'm very interested in looking at what either for a renovation, look what already exists. Maybe the frames are completely reusable. Let's do that. And we just frame, uh, change what's inside them. Or can we like, you know, throw all the frames in a great big pile and ask an artist to make an installation out of that? Because many artists are so resourceful and so creative. What we're not doing enough, especially in hotels, is asking artists to provide their own thoughts of what can we do with these materials and so that's something that we as a consultant offer so for I, I do think um, the approach that hotels takes is very much design driven which of course is very important and of course red team multiples is the exact place you can take a design concept not have to talk to anybody offend anybody go back and forth with anybody and just go okay that's the right color I want this section of it I need a square it needs mm. to be 40 by 40 times 80 go you know you don't have to have the conversation and immediately you've got a beautiful product right and the same process applies to restaurants as well you would say in terms of how design is done in restaurants is very similar to maybe a different budget right mm -hmm. uh, but Absolutely. very similar to hotels yeah yeah same story. And, but with with restaurants my experience um has taught me that the art is often last minute And so there'll be this kind of, oh, we're opening in two days, we need art. And sometimes people will literally just go out and shop for art and buy something that might that sort of fits. Oh. Um, but if you give yourself two weeks, we can make... That's what it takes, two weeks? It takes two weeks. Okay. Well, for, for uh, uh, volume under 10. Right. And existing pieces, not... Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
now in when you walk into a space can you tell there was an art consultant involved or is it not is it more subtle usually the the work that you do uh, i'd like to think you can tell but not many not everybody knows that art consultants exist right i think i can tell well it's a b2b <laughs> environment more right in in that you work with professional real estate um, developers or owners mm. of of real estate right more so than straight to the consumer right uh right yeah and so I think consultants are, are very necessary uh, because the majority of people I work with, they don't, they don't know the art piece. They don't really care about that. They just know it's important. And so that's where an art consultant comes in. But I've also noticed that a lot of the time, especially last year, art consultants are some of the first to go because it's considered a, a luxury mm. uh, because you can get art anyway without an art consultant. A design, uh, interior design firm should be able to have enough taste to know what art is going to match or suit. And again, like we can, we fit in with that perfectly. Mm. Have you been to the Painter's Village in Shenzhen? In uh, famous... You know what? I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't. Okay. Well, it's mm, it's worth seeing. Let's say if you're if you're in Shenzhen, you pop over. It's not really easily to get to. It's maybe forty minute drive from yeah. from Lohu or Futian. But um, I went there once. And I was like, interesting. Well, I I've been to a few factories in Xiamen, mm. who, which which do similar things. You know, sort of paint to order, paint whatever you want. I'm more I'm more interested in the framing capabilities at Daffan in Shenzhen actually, which is why I want to go. Okay. And also embellishment techniques because we print beautiful works, but some clients want 3D, and so we can put some paint over the top. Mm. Uh, so you've got that real uh, physical yeah, physical plastic, element, right. mm. um, which I think finding the right talent is totally possible to do. Okay. Yeah. Would you do sculptures as well? Or it's not so easy, the multiples is just right now in print? Not so easy in multiples. Mm. So yes, right now uh, we just do print in multiples, but sculpture is possible through consultancy. And I do have ideas for sculpture in multiples. A lot of ideas going yes. on. Okay. So so um, if we talk about uh, we talk about experience, that's what the podcast is about. Where does art become an experience? How do you, how do you approach this to make art an experience? Well, the great thing about what we've what we've done, and a bit of a sort of surprise moment last year of oh, we're already doing it, is the experience of artists standing in front of it, living with it. Mm. Uh, it happens to us all differently because we're all attracted to different things, but looking at something that appeals to you is the great experience of art. Now we can enhance that in many ways living with it is one way because we get to you know enjoy that every day but it always starts with well traditionally it always starts with an exhibition mm. and where the exhibition experience uh lies for many people is different some you know just walk around done some people can spend half an hour just looking at one painting and suddenly you know three hours later they're leaving an exhibition and you know museums like the louvre my goodness you could spend days there if you're me yeah. Some people just, they just want the two hours it actually takes to walk around it and then out. So when it comes to the experience, we all know what walking around a room full of art is. Mm. Words that I have picked up on last year from uh, visiting, uh, well, being part of lectures and, you know, sort of self-learning in the art world are access, engagement, new business models and innovation. Mm -hmm. And we are all of these things. And when it comes to the experience of art, this is where I think it gets really exciting. It's access and engagement. Yep. And this engagement piece is 
is really difficult to work on when you, you've got a 2D piece on the wall. How do you engage with that beyond looking at it harder? You mm. know, now you can engage uh, with it through the Red Tea Multiples platform because you can open it up on your phone or your tablet or even if you're not in the exhibition. So f- for galleries or museums, whether the doors are open or not, people can still be engaging with the artwork because we allow the user or the, the interested party to zoom into sections because we have super high res um, images on, on the platform, oh. but then decide what they love the most and actually be able to crop that and extract it and then put their dimensions around it and order it as a physical print. Kind of like a Google Earth or Google Maps walk around. Exactly, okay. exactly. And so whether you are physically standing in front of an artwork, and this is what I want to be doing with um, exhibitions, watch this space, um, is to have an exhibition, a conventional exhibition open, but each artwork has a touchscreen in front of it or a QR code by the side of it, which opens that work on the multiples platform and allows the user to create a unique print but in a super limited edition so maybe that's 10 or maybe that's 20 so imagine if you are uh, you know organizing an exhibition you've promoted it in hong kong but you could com- promote it globally and say at exactly 5 p.m. hong kong time each each of these original artworks will be for sale but so will 10 prints mm. that you can make completely customized, your own, customized. Yeah. And then five, four, three, two, one, go. And you have the whole world trying to engage to get their one print that's possible from that exhibition. Okay. So whether yeah, the scarcity that comes in a, in a multiple. Exactly. Right? Uh-huh. And whether the doors are open or not, the whole world can still engage. And if mm-hmm. the doors are open, people can be using touchscreens, which adds a digital element, which I don't know, it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword. Well, not, not a double, it's a positive thing. Uh, but how much more screen do we want to look at when we've got a beautiful original in front of us? So you're still a believer in print. Absolutely. print. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why everything we do comes with a physical product. I mean, having said that, you can save these images and, and share them on your socials. Of course you can, because that's a fun thing to do. And mm. it's also a, a very important aspect of it in terms of getting the artist's name out there and also marketing. But it's living with the physical a physical product is mm. is what I still completely believe in. I just think we can be more exciting and innovative with the technical steps along the way. So it's more what surrounds the physical piece and how do you engage with it yeah. and how do you market it and all that rather than bringing technology into art or making technology the art, basically, right? You're not, yeah, you're not I, a big fan of that, you'd say? or Well, I, I am a big fan of it. It's just not my, my field of interest professionally. Sure. Um, I, I also think uh, I'm... I'm enthralled by going to exhibitions of digital art. I think Team Lab are possibly the best artists in the world at the moment. I'm completely in love with their work, mm. but I'm not sure I'll be living with much digital art anytime soon okay. because I still am drawn to, I'd say, majority 2D. Whether I'm, I'm into photography as well as painting, but mm. that's still my, my favorite thing. Any artists you, like your personal favorites as artists, who do you, who do you go for? Oh, Rothko is my yeah. total dream okay yeah dream not in here right now uh, not, like, not, not yet <laughs> yet not yet i'm a huge fan of kwong mansion this guy behind me he's a hong kong artist and actually this piece has just come into our red tea multiples collection okay but it's exclusively on hold for one single project product uh, sorry project so we will only sell this to one project because i believe if we make it available to everybody it'll just go really quickly okay. and so we want to give this little exclusivity to um to something that will really really you know enjoy it properly okay 
Um, those are my two favorite off the top of my head, but I mean, I'm a massive fan of Picasso and, uh, um, classics. So what well, kind of classics? I also, I also love actually some Australian artists. Julian Maher is a really big fave. Mm-hmm. He's an incredible painter, but then he's taken his technique and, you know, like most painters, they start off, you see everything that's great about their technique because it's all on a canvas. And then as they get older, they get more minimalist because they don't know what to leave out and they know where their interest lies. It's efficiency, right? right. I, I guess so. And Julian Maher's really doing that. Mm. And, um, and I love looking at it. Okay. And photography, it seems you're into cities or cityscapes. Well, actually this guy, um, Zhou Jun, we gave him his first exhibition in Beijing. Mm. And I just really love that he has taken beautiful black and white photographs of sites of interest. And his thing was always um, places under construction. So behind you, we've got the bird's nest and here we've got the ICC in Hong Kong, both very relevant mm. to my background. And he will look at these uh, work, well, take photographs of these uh, construction sites in under construction and turn the green netting that is usually on uh, the scaffolding hmm. into red as a pa- as a power statement of China. Red tea group. Well, red is China and tea <laughs> is me. So yes, I mean, red is undeniably the color of China. Hmm. He's done a really interesting series in Dubai because a lot of Middle East money in the Middle East in construction is actually from China. Hmm. So it's that, it's that statement of um, Chinese money and therefore power going into a lot of the construction projects around the world. Okay. In terms of a place for art, is Hong Kong still where in Asia where it's at? Or um, where do you see Hong Kong evolving as a, you're still here and you're mm. doing art uh, consultancy in multiples. What, what do you make of the, the, the state of the Hong Kong art scene these days? Uh, I think it's it's vibrant, it's, it's weighty, and it absolutely has an incredible future. With M Plus opening, it's undeniable that Hong Kong is a really great hotspot for art globally, mm. particularly for Asia. What I don't think it reveres enough or even has that enough space for physically is to have as as vibrant an emerging scene as somewhere like Indonesia um, or mainland China because there, it's just impossible to survive here. Well, as this a, is a Hong Kong problem for emerging musicians. Exactly. Everybody, right? It's very difficult. Uh, while there is great talent here, I don't think that enough of it gets to live its dream hmm. because it can't survive. Yeah. Um, and I do think we can provide more outlets to that. And I hope Red Tea Multiples can play a part in that. Kwong Man Chun is an emerging artist and I think he, he, I think he will be fine. Hmm. But I think a lot of his peers uh, might have to pivot to make ends meet. Okay. And I think that's a real, it's a real travesty, but it's also part of the harsh reality of living in a commu- community like yeah. Hong Kong. How do you spot then new talent? Yeah, you need a you need your own talent, your own sense to see. Oh, this is an artist that's because uh, you've done it in Beijing, right? And, yep. and throughout your career, where do you? What cues do you pick up, or is that well, too much uh, to share? <laughs> that's the secret. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think uh, it's an inherent thing. I think people in the art world ha- have the eye or an eye. Um, not everybody has the same eye, which is why there's so much variety, which mm. is a great thing. Um, and I think a lot of people question eyes. Uh, I think my eye can pick up on uh, talent, technique, so technical ability. And I also think I've got quite a good um, gauge on where an artist is now and where they have the potential to get to. And mm. I've, I've picked a few goodies in the past. 
Zhou Jun being one, Manchun being one, and actually Julian Ma being one. Um, so I think that it is, it's quite an inherent thing, but it mm. can be learned through, um, well, it can be honed through learning about art. The more right. you know, the more you know what you're looking at and how to pick up on the right things. It's a craft in a, in a sense, right? It uh, is. But a lot of it's also conceptual. Artists mm. paint what they uh, often, you know, what they feel and what they think in uh, most paintings of any interest have a story behind them. Hmm. And sometimes that's incredibly academic. Sometimes it's incredibly scientific. Understanding that, I think half the time you can't look at a canvas or look at a painting or an installation and know why it exists. Hmm. But the more you know about it, the more amazing it becomes. And that's part of the talent of an artist. And it's part of my job to understand the 360 of why a piece exists. So I, a professional question here. So we come across projects, real estate projects, where they say, oh, here's the art village. So somewhere real estate developers are trying desperately to come up with new ideas. And so they will say, oh, here's our art village or artist village. And mm. they try to give like an incubator kind of model. Do you think this is something that has legs or is it too contrived and it doesn't give... Um, you know, more sort of a, a natural environment where, where things can, can grow in a, a, you know, in a natural way. Yeah, well, I think anywhere that there is talent that can be supported, hmm. it's, it's completely uh, the right thing to do. I don't know, I don't know how contrived it can be seen to be, unless it's just a, here's some money, keep painting. And we'll try and, you know, leverage how, what great philanthropists we are. Hmm. I mean, that I think anybody can see through that. Um, I think it, it, you do need an element of uh, organization and sort of a proper platform so that all the work that all the artists are doing can be shown in, in a correct light that will big them up that will promote them properly so that the community and the, the world at large can decide oh i want that i'm going to buy it uh, and you know where are the marketing channels so that people can sell right so i do i do think that anywhere where this can happen it even if it is contrived but there's money going into um supporting and revering talent it's a good thing I think uh, residencies, so a lot of these things become artist residencies, mm. and then there might be a kind of community exhibition sort, uh, gallery or something like that, so the artist can be in the public space. But if nobody's really pushing that and programming the exhibitions and making sure that there is media coverage, it doesn't really stand for anything, it doesn't mean anything, and no one's benefited. Mm. It's basically money going through a black, down a black hole. So these um, philanthropic endeavours or investments in art, artist villages are not necessarily contrived but they can often be wasted endeavors unless they are properly managed and 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 funded it's a very complex process after all right yeah. there's no there's not necessarily a blueprint model you can pull off the shelf not right? at all but also i mean these are also completely under leveraged opportunities if you've got artists there and you have some money there are so many things you could be doing. Mm. Um, you could, you know, you could be putting messages out there for themes, environmentalism, or we're building a property over there. All of you guys should be making the art that we can put into our property and we'll buy it from you. Mm. You know, and there's this sort of be beautiful circularity of an, a real community that's benefiting each other. You paint for me, I'll thank you with money and we'll promote you in our property. That should be happening. Not just, ooh, let's put some money into this, tell the world we're doing that. 
get some coverage and pat ourselves on the back. Yeah, well, that's that's the, what often happens, right? Mm. So it seems you're full of ideas, I call it a relentless innovator. Where do you get your inspiration from? Do you have your Zen moments or where do you, is it like light bulb moments, Eureka, it goes off? Or, mm. or where do you find yourself most? I, I think it, there's a lot of Eureka. There's yeah. a lot of just looking at a problem that's annoying me, uh, which is, I guess, time spent on gray area. That's always annoyed me. Mm. Um, looking for leverage, ways to leverage, ways to increase efficiency and um, create revenue out of that. I spend a lot of time doing that, you know, thinking about those, that sort of triangle of efficiency, leverage, revenue. And um, and the good piece. I'm really interested in sustainability and I mean, have, been, have been for a long time. It's a made-to-order model. I don't want any waste. I actually had a dress business on the side because I'm so um, interested in how to increase efficiency and production. Mm. And going th over and through all of these issues all the time just spark new ideas. And then if I think that they're really exciting ideas, I can't stop thinking about them. And then I'm like, right, well, that needs to become part of the, the bigger plan. How right. are we going to onboard that? Mm. And so sustainability, right? Champion of sustainability. The dress business you mentioned, quite mm. innovative it was a sort of cradle to crave approach right uh well it was a a total indulgence project on my part i i watched a documentary i think four years ago now um called i'll remember that in a minute and uh, it was about the fast fashion industry and i was so just moved by this documentary it, it was like watching one on um you know, the meat process and becoming a vegetarian overnight. Mm. I, I just became an anti-fast fashion person overnight. And for me and my family, everything I buy for them and myself is researched. It's probably secondhand. It just, we just eliminated fast fashion overnight. And then I started thinking really carefully about um, minimalist wardrobes and uh, streamlining our approach to what we wear. And I wore a, a single dress all the time through pregnancies, breastfeeding, and then I've realized I'm still wearing it after and in between to everything. And I I thought I could make it better so I could actually have one dress that I could do anything in. Okay. So the design bit was done because I you know went to a tailor here and I said, tweak this, tweak this, tweak this. And then I decided I need to make this out of a biodegradable material. So I made it in silk. And then friends said, that's really great. And I said, let me make one for you. So then I started making them and I thought I could make a business out of this. And then I decided this business was going to be about how do you make a garment 100% positive impact? By that, I mean every step of the supply chain is putting positivity back into the environment and the community. And then I sort of had, wrote this ladder approach to how many rungs on the ladder we can get. And each time I change suppliers, because I can go up a, a rung on the ladder. And at the moment, I think I've got about 46 rungs on the ladder and I'm okay. about five up. Okay. Um, and then multiples took over and I decided I can't really be doing that at the moment. This can be my lifelong endeavor. Okay. Um, but that's a real point of interest for me. But on the back of it, I realized the, the waste in fabric that's going on out there and the value in fabric for many other things. And so this year we will be launching our completely upcycled canvas. Uh, which is why on the website now you can only order on paper because it's biodegradable, biodegradable and we use latex inks, which are non-toxic. Mm. But when we get canvas on there, I want it to be our upcycled canvas, not virgin canvas. Okay. And upcycled canvas comes from retired linen from the hospitality industry. 
Okay. Mm. Lots of overlap with hospitality, I see. Yeah, <laughs> my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so so um, on the website, you have a, like a shop where you can buy the canvas, is that it? Not yet. It will okay. be coming. It will be one of the uh, materials that you can select okay. what to print your unique work on. Mm. Great. Mm. So uh, there's lots happening on the website. Uh, it- yeah, the website, that's all, well, that's all happening. But with B2B, it's all part of the conversation. So we can already offer this in B2B. And I'm most interested in working with clients who, in hospitality, who have this uh, supply of retired linens from their bedsheets or their tablecloths. And now we've found printers who we can be printing really great images with color integrity um, to create new collections, perhaps for the next property under the same brand. Okay. So then we can build in circularity. Okay, very exciting stuff. Mm. How far are you are you away from that perfect dress when we come back to that? Uh, I mean, is it the 46 you think you can get them all the way there, the, the rungs and the ladder? Yeah, or, yeah. yeah I, what I'd like to do is get multiples up to a point where it is just firing on, on all cylinders. We've got a great team. And then I can maybe take a six-month shift in focus. And then I want to find a partner to work backwards. We will create the ultimate dress. Hmm. And then we will re- sorry, release the information of this ultimate dress took 500 people, you know, 20,000 hours, this much electricity, this much, you know, all of this stuff. And this is the net positive result, you know, uh-huh. and just be able to list it all. And then we'll have a blueprint of how we can work backwards and where we need to focus. So instead of like arduously going up each rung each time, I think well, I just want to put some investment behind it and go and blitz this perfect dress. Mm. And then we'll know really what we can attack and where the biggest issues are. Kind of reverse engineer the process basically. Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exciting. So we're a little bit getting up on time here, but um, um, as uh, typical segments in this podcast, um, your piece of advice for anybody um that's looking to start in the art world, let's say in Hong Kong, mm-hmm. where it's obviously we talked about it, not an easy place to um, to be an emerging art scene. So, how do you any what do you, what recommendation do you have as for an artist, let's say, or maybe somebody who wants to get into the gallery business or that end of the space? I think art consultant mm-hmm. need a bit more experience, right? Mm. So, um, well, I think for galleries you've just got to go and get experience you have to go and do the hard yards be the intern and learn there's there's so much you can learn on the floor in a gallery sadly they're not very busy floors at the moment yeah but i think being in an office um learning about what techniques are now being used in order to get messages across to client bases i think actually young people are in a very good position because they understand social media much better than a lot of the um well many of the older people in a gallery for example so you're in a good position but you know go and offer you offer what you can for you know minimal money but get as much experience as possible because if you're good you generally get to stay Hmm. okay um but good in galleries also means sales right so uh you gotta you gotta be interested in that if that's the area you want to go in. Mm-hmm. And really, galleries uh, love people who love sales. Yeah, well, that's what it's all about. Right? Well, yeah, the rest of what's happening in the background is, um, you know, it's documenting things, it's accounting, it's all that stuff that you can be in a gallery or not in a gallery to mm. do. But you get to hang around beautiful artwork, so right. it's a nice environment for artists. It's um, it is quite a hard slog. I do think now you have to be really into your social media. 
which um, is it can be tough and really not the point for a lot of artists. And I think you you can be quite clever about where you exhibit. I think there are quite a few new refreshing models coming up, um, of which I am quite a champion of exhibiting with art with in places that you don't necessarily need to sign to. Mm. That's very controversial thing to say. Sorry, galleries. Um, and I think some galleries are realizing that they don't necessarily have to have signed artists in their in their stable anymore. But I do think you can sort of play the field at a time like now. Mm. And you can also maybe get brazen and start going directly to art fairs, which is going to really shoot me in the foot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because there's a lot of self-promotion you can do now. And I think that um, part of this changing business models issue of last year is how artists can take more control over their own careers Mm. Uh, because conventionally galleries do so much for artists and it's true it's completely undeniable they invest a lot in artists and they get a lot out they expect to get a lot out of artists which is a very fair equation but artists with social media platforms and in a bit of innovative thought and brazen behavior which artists whether they know it or not are full of because they put their innermost feelings on a canvas every day you can go out, be bold, and just come up with new, unique ways to get your images in front of people. Mm. And that's what's going to get people taking notice of you. Right. And for someone that's looking to hire an artist, they want to commission a painting. I mean, what's the best way for that? Do you go through an art consultant or um, people have, maybe have a new home? You know, mm-hmm. They have an interior designer. Is that the way to listen to interior designer all the time? And what's the best mm. way to find an artist that you can enjoy the well, to do a commission, you have to have a good relationship with an artist, um, I would say. I think art consultants are really good at that. Um, but if you have a new home and you have an interior designer, interior designers, some know art, some some don't. They might consult with uh, a, an art consultant. Or I would go on to Red Tea Multiples and see what you like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, com. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So if you're now an art consultant... Um, maybe uh, somebody that has worked in a gallery and they think they want to become an art consultant. What does it take to pull that off? Uh, You need good networks um, because first and foremost, if you're going to be an art consultant and work for yourself, you need to make money. So you need to know that you know people who want art. So Uh, buyers, basically. Buyers. But they can come in all shapes and sizes. They can be your best friend with a new home or an old home, just wants art. Um, they can be, uh, you know, an office, a small office, a large office. They can be hospitality. There are many places where you can sell art. But having that network, and then, of course, you have to back it. So you better have some good artists up your sleeve, and you better have pretty good networks. Right. And never burn bridges because galleries have great artists. Mm. And um, a lot of the time I'll approach art, uh, galleries because I, I know what artists they've got, and I'll say, what have you got by this artist? I have somebody interested. And, of course, that's where the sort of chain gets long and heavy, but... It's also how it works. Yeah, it's mm. a business. Okay. Uh, last question. Obviously, you're uh, part of that. Um, but uh, what's the most fundamental change in the next 10 years, you think, for art consultant space and, and uh, maybe the gallery space as well? Other than multiples. Yeah, other than I know multiples. That. Um, well, it's, it's going to be digital. Um, I think that there's going to be a huge shift in the business modeling around art. Uh, perhaps more transparency, not Sure, but you know, I was just talking about representing artists. I'm not sure if that is going to be as um, 
as widespread as it currently is because so many artists can take matters into their own hands through the new platforms available to them. And I think that's only going to grow. Um, I, I hope that we'll see more innovation and I don't know what that looks like yet, but if Red Tea Multiples is anything to go by where we've taken an artwork and we're now allowing people to crop sections of it in a completely um, promoted way that is you know, approved by artists and you still get an authenticated limited edition at the end of it, what's next? What can we do beyond that? I think um, art recognition technology is also up and coming and that's going to be everywhere in two years. You'll be able to just put your phone over an artwork and it'll tell you what it is. Mm. And if it doesn't know, you know, there'll be something clever that happens. Hopefully it can tell you if it's an authentic piece or... Well, exactly. Uh, that's uh, the sort of um, art DNA that's mm. going to, that's happening. Um, but, well, my hope is that you can do that and it'll tell you if it's if you can make a multiple of it or not as well, uh, if it's licensed. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I really don't have the answer, but I think it's going to be a more dynamic space. Hopefully engagement will be increased because the people have realized that without a market, we're nothing. And you've got to be accessible if you're going to constantly develop your market and in order in order to be accessible you have to welcome people in and have price points at every level Mm. and that i think has been something that's been a little bit missing and it's certainly something that's been talked about a lot at the moment because you don't have the foot traffic you don't have you can't you can't put on the champagne parties to attract people and get them Mm. you know vibing on buying art you have to open it up a little bit to more people and give them a little bit more and i don't think once that happens i don't think it's gonna go away again right okay so um unfortunately up on time already mm-hmm. it was a lovely hour that we spend with you thanks so much tamsin thank you tamsin Nugid, uh founder and uh, manager i guess ceo director oh, yeah, director yeah. Yeah. of um red tea group and red tea multiples That's right. um guys if you ever look for artwork uh, this is the right person to talk to um, yeah. In that note, uh, thank you all for joining another episode of Made in Asia, the podcast. If you want to check us out, um, made-in.asia, or you can also find us on Instagram under Made in Asia, the podcast. So uh, thanks, Tamsin. Mm. And let's thank you for touch. having me. This is the end of the second part of our sixth episode with Tamsin Nugent. If you have enjoyed this episode, please follow us either on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. You can also follow us about our latest updates on new episodes on our Instagram, Made in Asia, the podcast. Stay tuned for the next episode, number seven.